0: Well, hello, hello, everyone. I'm so glad and so excited to have you here on my LinkedIn Live. We have Anthony Marino today, super excited. Um, Anthony Marino, for those of you that don't know him but will get to know him today, is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Fiserv and someone that I value his opinion very, very much. We've been talking for many years about leadership and, um, and you know, kept our discussions through the pandemic, over the pandemic to the new normal today. So super excited to have you, Tony, and thank you for joining, joining me today.
1: Uh, it's great to be here. And uh, what a time to be thinking about or rethinking leadership, you know, given the world that we now live in.
0: I mean, can you imagine, and 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 it makes me kind of think about, you know, and, and, and let's define what we're talking to, uh, today about. We're talking about probably the most important thing, I think, in the corporate world today, which is, you know, how to lead, how to be an effective leader in what we call the new normal, which is, uh, you know, a forever changing, rapidly changing environment. And yet somehow I feel, and I wonder if you share my feeling that it's never been more important in history, to be the best leader that you can be, to have the most impact? How do you feel about
1: that? You know, we're going through a level of disruption, and Kaylee, and you could put a slide up that just sort of gets at some of this. But if you guys think about the level of disruption, I I think about the financial crisis in 2007. You know, I think um, all of us that, you know, were in the workplace at that point know that, you know, that was a very difficult period of time. But think about what we're going through now. We're going through seven, you know, similar events all within the last two and a half years. I think about the global pandemic, you know, the fact that, you know, it's claimed six million lives um, and has required, you know, and disrupted everybody's routine as they once knew it, especially, I think, about, you know, women and the women uh, who have had to uh, not only hold down a full-time job, but also then learn how to be a teacher on top of that, you know, several other other uh, competing priorities, and I think the disproportionate, you know, impact there. We could talk about. Um, I think the second item is, you know, George Floyd. You know, I think George Floyd's murder uh, ignited absolutely a call for greater social justice and racial equality, and that really has moved into the workplace in a big way. Um, you and I talked about the Great Resignation. Um, what is it? You know. Four million Americans have left their job a month in 2021, and that continues in 2022. So we see, you know, the disruption and people rethinking that um, demographic shifts. You know, baby boomers are moving out of the workforce at record numbers. Um, millennials are now the majority, you know, in the workforce. Um, the rate of digital acceleration, you know, causing a lot of skills gaps between, you know, people who have this technology background and those that don't. And then, you know, two that just have, have really happened in the last several weeks, you know, the terrible war uh, in the Ukraine, which our hearts go out to all of our, uh, yeah. you know, fellow humans who, who are living through that tragedy. And then I think on top of that, inflation, you know, inflation is very real. Uh, and a new, you know, worry, you know, for so many people. In fact, you know, we're on LinkedIn, uh, Michelle, and and I thought, you know, I would actually read a LinkedIn message that I got this morning from one of our associates on this topic of inflation, if I could just real of quickly. Um, you know, good morning, Ms. Marino, how are you? I pray that life is treating you good and that you're healthy and safe. Um, everything that's going on around us is very challenging for me, and I guess most of us as well. Gas price is so high, will be the worst for days to come. I find myself having to choose whether to buy food or put gas in the car most of the time. And, you know, mind you, this is a person working in a contact center making about $45,000 a year. Yeah. So uh, she goes on to say, sometimes I wonder, uh, you know, can sort FISER of consider letting us work from home again for the meantime until things get better or there's a better way for all working Americans to alleviate the stress of the domino effect of inflation. All I can do right now is stay positive and be thankful for what I have. I'm grateful by serves top priority is the safety and wellness, wellness of its employees. I always appreciate, you know, the things you do. So, you know, this is an wow. example of, yeah. you know, just the stress that people are feeling and we have, you know, all seven of these things happening at once, which I know was really the impetus for you and I to say, gosh you know what type of leadership is required in this you know incredibly unprecedented time
0: i'm i'm first of all thank you for sharing that that um message and that note because at the end of the day you know we talk about all these leadership you know things and we we talk in in, in big you know in global terms but at the end of the day it comes down to someone like that and i i'm really appreciative that you shared that um who says you know could you please work with me i'm going through this hardship this is where you know it hits me this is where it hits home so i want to ask you something you know um bringing it down to our own lives like when you get up in the morning as a leader in your field and to me any adult is a leader i have to tell you because we're leaders within our families we're leaders within our communities we're leaders within our group of friends you know we're leaders within our organizations our industries etc I know that when I wake up in the morning these days and I think about the day ahead and a lot of times, you know, the day can have so much in it, you know, you can, you can get easily overwhelmed. You know, there's, there's just so much to do. And so I I wanted to ask you, what are some of the things that you tell yourself before you start your day, when you're hearing messages like this, when you're encountering that kind of pain and hardship and difficulty, when it comes to yourself, before we even talk about how to help others, What is something that is going through your mind um, as people are going through all of this?
1: You know, those of us who sort of grew up, you know, in that, you know, Jack Welch model of leadership where, you know, tough and, you know, business oriented and driving results. um, You you know, I I think now more than ever, what I think about is a completely different model, a model that says, um, when you get up today, think about how, you know, you can be more empathetic how you can be more inclusive how you can be kind and and i think you know those are sometimes words that you know typical quote-unquote you know leadership books wouldn't always espouse but i think it really gets at you know what's required today you know really understanding you know the seven issues that we talked about all of the challenges that people are having and the help that everybody needs i mean you look at I look at, you know, our mental health, um, you know, our short term disability claims and those have gone up. So you can see that people are really, you know, struggling with, you know, trying to deal with all of these items. So we as leaders, you know, more than ever, you know, have to be able to be more empathetic, inclusive and, and kind. So those are the three words I think about now almost daily.
0: I, I love that. And, and, you know, it's it's really interesting because, you know, I work with different industries and different people, different personalities. And I think that, you know, you and I have had conversations about emotional intelligence way before this became probably the most important trait for a leader these days. And, you know, it's one thing to say to someone who is more of a tough, you know, more of an old fashioned, you know, leader where the EQ wasn't as important, as critical as it is today. And, and they're saying, you know, I want to be more compassionate, but here's my difficulty, you know, and they can say, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here because I get, I get these questions myself, right? (laughs) Somebody would say, oh, you know, I totally would be understanding and inclusive and empathetic and all these great things, but you know, I just happen to work with all these difficult people and they're making my life so difficult. And all of this would have worked great if it wasn't for all these other people. So, (laughs) which is, which is uh, as a general rule of life, everything would have worked great if it wasn't for, you know, and so, when we look at other people and they go through all the burnout and the difficulty, it's one thing when you're working with someone who is as open and as honest and and as raw as the person that you shared the message with, it's a different thing when you're working with someone and they're burned out and they had a tough time and they're going through difficulty and they're just not expressing it that way. You know, they're just being, you know, resentful or difficult or regimented or impatient, you know? So, what would you tell a leader who is, you know, maybe less experienced than you or someone who didn't have to, you know, who isn't as versed with EQ, who says, you know, I really struggle with some of my people. I really struggle with some of their behaviors. I understand that I need to be compassionate. I'm having a really hard time. Where do I find it in me? What do I do?
1: Yeah, look, first we should all take a deep breath, right? Because uh <laughs> right. Yeah all, all of us have lived it. So we're probably yeah. all we're probably all dealing with it. And I think that, you know, is another Uh, maybe difference here is that, you know, every one of us, right, is going through, you know, some level of disruption. Right. And I think we can absolutely relate to, you know, that person today more than ever. So I'd say we're all in it, you know, together. So, you know, we best think about how we can support one another versus, you know, make it, you know, more difficult for each other. And I I think that, you know, there was a time when, you know, um, high IQ leaders, uh we're given huge allowance right P- people said well um you know joe he gets great results so yeah. how he gets the results you know we're not going to worry a whole lot about I-, I think that day is completely gone yeah i th- i think that you know any company uh or any of us you know who've not made sort of that shift to say it is important now more than ever not just what we do but how we do it and you know how we do it has to be um you know, at the forefront. If not, look, in the great resignation, uh, I'll read a statistic. Yeah. Uh, 77% of executives say hiring and retaining is the most critical growth driver. Yeah. Um, People have a choice now where they're going to work and who they're going to work for. And I think that, you know, the days of, you know, high IQ, low EQ leaders um, having the ability to be successful are completely gone. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we better, you know, make that pivot um, or, you know, people will make the pivot on their own and they'll be sort of out of the, the workplace. So, so yeah, is it more challenging? Yeah. Does it require us to be a lot more patient? Yes. Is it something that someday you feel like, gosh, you know, I didn't know I was supposed to be a mental health coach, a wellness coach, you know, somebody who's going to help somebody figure out how they do childcare, care. Um, all of those things you, you might think weren't really the role of a leader, but today they are. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that that's the pivot that we have to make. So, I, I but I, I do think because we're all going through it, people seem to be more receptive. And we've had a lot of conversations with our leaders about, you know, deliberately thinking about this pivot that has to be made.
0: And and it's so interesting because, um, you know, one of the the most important things I think to realize as we're pivoting into a more EQ based leadership is, uh, you know, it comes with a benefit that people sometimes are not aware of where if you develop that part of your toolkit, right, um, you know, you're going to rip a lot of benefits in other areas of your life and it's very interesting because sometimes we don't realize that the things we struggle with within you know people in our organization or our clients typically we would struggle with similar things in a different form also in our personal lives. And, you know, it's a muscle. And I feel that it comes with so much benefit because when you train yourself as a leader to work on your EQ, so you take the classes, you read the books, you watch the clips, you read the articles, you read the research, like there is so much knowledge out there for every leader to consume in terms of educating yourself, how can I do better? How can I have more impact? How can I grow that muscle that maybe I didn't have to use before, but now I really, really need it without even realizing all of a sudden, a lot of other relationships in your life and a lot of other skills that you need for other aspects of your life grow, you know, in correlation. And that's a great benefit. So that's one thing that, you know, I wanted to tell you. And the other thing is that You know, in psychology, we say separate the person from the problem, because when somebody is in front of you and they're being, you know, not as communicative or difficult or whatever it is, it's very hard. It's very hard not to get impatient with them. You know, it's very hard not to judge them. And a lot of times we're quick to judge. But in my mind, you know, the image that I have in my mind, when I see someone who is just not being as nice as I would want them to be, and it can be, you know, my, uh, my technician, uh, my, you know, and somebody at work, somebody, you know, whoever that is, my neighbor, doesn't matter. I say to myself, I have a bleeding person in front of me. That person is bleeding. If they were not bleeding, why wouldn't they want to be nice? And so if you reframe it in your mind and you say, I'm not dealing with a difficult person, I'm di- dealing with a person in pain. And pain is not pretty. You know, when you don't have gas to put in your car, money for gas in your car, and you're debating between, you know, should I pay for gas or should I, you know, pay for food? Um, You know, how do I handle all these difficult situations in my life? And a lot of people also lost people. that are dear to their heart and they're burned out. And a lot of times people are burned out and they're so burned out, they don't even stop to realize that they're so burned out from the last two years. Um, Just to reframe it in our mind that we're dealing with someone in pain. And when we reframe it that way, we're like, you know, I, I I really should be compassionate because if I had someone with a broken limb in front of me right now, I wouldn't be yelling at them. I wouldn't be impatient with them. I wouldn't, you know, judge them. But when someone has a mental health crisis or a burnout or something else that is not visible, we should treat them, you know pretty much as if we have someone wounded in front of us. How do that's you feel right. that? No, that's right.
1: Okay. Kay- Kayleen, you want to show the uh, slide on EQIQ? Because I, I think it's important that people don't feel like, gosh, um, you know, high IQ, I'm going to give up in favor of high EQ. It's really yeah. having both high IQ and high <laughs> yeah. EQ, right? And on yeah. every on every great four block, right, we, we can see that, you know, happen. And, and I think you think about you know high iq it's really you know measure somebody's ability to solve problems use logic and then you know certainly high eq is you know somebody's ability to understand empathize you know connect uh, on an emotional level so it's not either or it's really both um thank you kayleen for, for the, the, the for, for the for the visual learners right it, it, it's important but i think what you said is um something i remind managers of every day and i say hard on the problem yes. not on the person love right? it Love hard it. on the problem not on the person so yes you know we're not going to shy away from you know the problems um, we have to attack them with the same you know iq as always but you know we go hard on the problem we don't go hard on the person and y- you and i it's another thing you and i share um is you said it one way exactly but we actually meant, you know, the same same thing. thing. And I think that's a great tip for managers is they think about what they encounter.
0: Yes. I love it. And, and first of all, I wrote down what you said, Tony, because I (laughs) love that quote. This is so quotable. This is, this is tweetable. This is hard on the hard on the problem, not on the person. And it's so good, Tony, because that separation between the person and the problem You know, I'm, you know, coming from the world of of psychology, you know, this is the master key because a lot of times we do mix the two. And when you separate the person from the problem, the most wonderful thing that you can do is you can actually join forces with the other person and take a brainstorming approach with them, right? Not against them, how to tackle the problem. And so you externalize the problem and you give it a name. You know, this is the problem. We just, you're not the problem. This is not you. This is the problem. Now we're going to join forces and tackle that problem together. So, And I loved what you said about please don't think that you have to give up your IQ for your EQ. (laughs) You can totally have both. But um, we do need to challenge ourselves all the time, especially through the current times. I, I always tell everyone, I don't even remember where my comfort zone is. I haven't been in it in years um it's a constant you know way of challenging ourselves how we parent, how we lead, how we carry ourselves, how we handle relationships with other people and we constantly learn new things. I mean, Tony, you're so on point with, you know, the data and your own professional experience. When you want to look for more knowledge, more information, more articles, where do you find your you know, um knowledge, information, inspiration. What do you do?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, the benefit of um, getting to see, you know, every year a new class of interns and a new class of analysts uh, And my advice to them is be voracious readers and learners. And uh, you know, one of the things I always recommend is get yourself um, a online subscription to the wall street journal and to the New York times, because, you know, it's great in life to understand more than one point of view and, you know, broaden your thinking out on the same topic and issue. So I, I think uh, I've always looked at, you know, sort of every day, uh, my, my favorite word, I spend some time in Japan, so my favorite word is uh, Kaizen, which means continuous improvement or, yeah. you know, every day thinking about what you could do better or different. So I think when we challenge ourselves to grow every day and learn from others, we, you uh, we, we, we certainly, you know, have a much more, um, you know, much more vibrant, you know, view of, of the day and what we've gone through. So, you know, for me, you know, also at this point, sharing, you know, what I've learned with others is, is why we're on this broadcast today, right? Yes, As yes. We can, we can learn from those who are with us today and they can learn from us. And, you know, that that's what's great about, you know, high, high EQ leaders, right? They're, they're, they're they're humble. They know that every day we can learn from each other and that's what makes it great.
0: I love that. And I absolutely agree with you. And it's so interesting because in in leadership, I always say, you never know who's watching, you know, as, as a leader within your family community, you know, organization industry, um, you've got a lot of eyes on you, even more than you realize of the younger generation. And you and I had a really interesting conversation about the younger generation just recently um, watching us as we, you know, lead through the current times, and so um, as the millennials um, um, gradually enter the workforce more and more, um, what has been your experience in terms of what it requires from um, from uh, leaders these days?
1: You know, such a great uh, question. I'll share with the uh, audience today that when I joined seven years ago, as the head of HR. The majority of our employees were baby boomers. Uh, today, in a company of fifty thousand, uh, only fifteen percent of the company is made up of baby boomers. So you can see the massive generational shift that's occurred over the last five years. Maybe we've never faced that significant, you know, of a shift. And you know, you and I talked a little lot about. Um, and, you know, that would be a whole nother podcast, right? What are the generational differences <laughs> yeah. of, of uh, the millennials and in, in, in younger in the workforce? But I, I think, you know, the big thing is um, that I try to impress, and, and you see this, is especially baby boomers, they're used to leading, you know, with the discussion of profit, right? you know, and if you're in an audience with mainly millennials and younger, that's good. But I think they're going to mm-hmm. say, hey, uh, profits are great. Understand we have to have them. Well, what's really the purpose right of the firm so you know that would be one of those juxtapositions is you know probably should start with purpose and then get to profits but you know yeah. sort of my generation it was always you know let's talk about profits and yeah. and uh so so i think that's one of the shifts of course we see a lot of others one that's dominating right now michelle is that um you know, most companies are really having a difficult time getting people to come back into the office. Yes. Yeah, right. So, you know, look, um, we have a CEO who believes that we're better together, that if we're in the office, we can collaborate. We can make sure that our clients' needs are fully addressed. But, you know, we've had to go through long conversations, uh, sometimes, you know, late at night to say the world's changed and um, we can't be tone deaf to it. We've got to be able to change Based on you know new preferences, and clearly the new generations or the younger generations want to get to an office, but they also want the flexibility. If on a Monday or a Friday, you know, on a three-two or a four-one, they need to you know sort of balance both work and non-work, um, and they take you know a lot more. They, they value you know non-work as much as they value work. Yeah. Um, so I think that's another difference. So clearly there are definitely. Um, differences here. How how about you? I know that this is sort of uh, a a whole nother topic, the whole generational differences. What, what, uh, what have you seen in, in, you know, your discovery?
0: I think something very similar in terms of purpose, but I'm learning from it. I think that, um, because I'm in a very purpose-driven, um, I'm in a very purpose-driven industry, you know, the motivational industry, um, I'm finding that, um, I'm actually learning a lot from the younger generation in terms of um, challenging my own perceptions, challenging the way I do things. Um, And I find that very interesting because um, I think especially with the pandemic, I I had a very uh, um, interesting discussion with my 14-year-old, who was then 12, uh, at some point at the pandemic at the beginning. And she said, well, you know, mom, we're pretty much equal here when it comes to the pandemic. And I was looking at her, you know, 12-year-old you know, little, little self. And I said, What well, what do you mean? We're, we're equal. And she said, well, you we don't have any experience with something like this in your life. And neither do I. So I guess we both don't have any experience in how to do this. And so if there's anything I took from the last, you know, major shift of the last two years, and I mean, the brain just has to process so much change, you know, I deal with change. And I was, you know, dealing with a lot of change myself, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, We need to adapt to change. We need to learn how to thrive through change. You know, that's one thing, but the mind gets tired. And so um, I really had to train myself to be more open than my usual self, as much as I consider myself open, to learn from every single person in my life in terms of how they do it. And one of the most interesting thing is that I found that I'm learning from the most unpredictable people, you know, and I'm collecting wisdom from different unpredictable people around me. And I find that to be really interesting. And millennials have a very interesting and very uh, different perspective. I also have, you know, some of my kids are Gen Z. So that's another, you know, that's the, the next generation that and I kind of like it. I like the purpose over profit. I mean, I, I respect the profit, but I feel that purpose is a very powerful thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you and I talked about uh, the rate of digital acceleration and how uh, you and I share one characteristic, and that you know, prior to the pandemic, we weren't very good at technology, we, right? So, so we We've we, 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 we learned, right? We learned, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, but both having kids in those age brackets, they pass yeah. a lot, and, yeah. Uh, you, you know, but you know, the the um, the innate you know digital skills that the new generation brings to the workforce is amazing. And for our business, which is really a business that, you know, really is all about digital commerce, um, you know, amazing the contribution that some of our early career graduates can make right off the bat because they grew up in a world where everything was digital, right? They, you know, order their food, they do their shopping, they get their Uber, uh, you know, all through digital means. They know how to pay each other through, you know, digital wallets and you know, much, much different. So they they bring a skill set that for us in our business is wonderful. So, you, you know, in many ways, um, you know, we're embracing, you know, the incredible skills that these new generation, that the new generation brings.
0: Did you feel, because you, you, um, you know, you and I also talked about the great reevaluation and the great resignation. And, right. you know, on the one hand, you know, we are reevaluating some things as we are looking at the newer generation. And we're saying, you know, hey, look at the way, Look at the way they prioritize things. This is really interesting. I never thought of it this way. This is actually pretty cool. That's one thing. And then there's also the pandemic that came and really shook our worlds and everything that we kind of we kind of thought, I mean, at this stage of our careers that we we kind of have it figured out more or less and then and then the world changed at such a rapid and and overwhelming um um rate. So my question to you is before we even talk about it in the workplace, um, did you feel that you also went through some kind of a reevaluation, you know, of how this how this thing even works, you know, on a leadership level, on a, on a personal level? And then um, what are you seeing in the workplace? You know,
1: I, I think uh, for those on the call, joining us in the human resources profession, I think there's never been a time when our function was needed more yeah. And we rose to the occasion to support it. Um, you know, our CEO, who's incredibly business-driven, you know, he says all the time that, gosh, you know, I really understand the value of having a great HR function. You know, yeah. because almost every business challenge uh, over the last two and a half years, there's been huge people components that had to be navigated, right, to get the kind of business outcome that you want. So, um, I think for you know the HR function, I'm very proud. You know, I spent my whole career, you know, with the exception of of one job out of college, um, in HR, and I can tell you, um, I'm really proud of all of the HR people out there. You know, in the work that they've done the last two years, because I think they they clearly got their companies to put people first in the equation. Yeah. And I know that you know that's been kind of a slogan for many companies prior to this. Yeah. But I think again, you know, to be successful today, if that's not apparent you know, you're just going to have a much, much more difficult time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. You know, one of the, uh, the, um, and you mentioned, um, George Floyd and the topic of, um, um, social justice and now you know we're seeing um everything that is happening between ukraine and Russia and so much I mean with all this happening you know and our need to prioritize things differently as leaders also a lot of things happen on that front and i'm I, I don't mean to tie ukraine and Russia with social justice but uh, these are major social things that are happening in the world on different levels in different ways what is your i mean
1: yeah, you, you, know, you know, the world's so much smaller to your point, yeah. Michelle. I mean, think about us, you know, and for, probably for um, most companies, they probably have, you know, business in those regions. They may even have, you know, employees, you know, in those regions. And I know yeah. that, uh, you know, we have employees in in uh, Poland, uh big operation there, but we have people who work all over our company who have family in the Ukraine and, you know, so Absolutely. Today, the world is much smaller. We have to be more aware of it. I I think, you know, we have a person on our staff who uh, maybe, you know, three months ago, not everybody knew, but today everybody knows her because she heads up our, you know, geopolitical, you know, sort of research. And, uh, you know, gosh, you know, she helps us understand what's going on. And, you know, we, we pay attention and appreciate, you know, the perspective that she brings. So, uh, I think you're absolutely right, you know, whether it was, you know, George Floyd wasn't just something that happened in a city, you know, yeah. the, re- the reverberations were felt everywhere yeah. and in the workplace, you know, the cry was for, hey, we can't just continue to, you know, put on paper nice words. We actually mm-hmm. have to show, uh, you know, a different, more ambitious, more meaningful plan to change you know what people are are uh, are you know really uh, feeling. So, you know, for us, you know, we were able to say, "Gosh, um, you know, there's a lot of people hurting, a lot of business owners that you know lost a lot of what they had." So let's go out in the community that we uh, have operations and let's think about how we can help small business owners get back up and running. And, you know, we uh we've dispensed about fifty million dollars into the uh African American small business community and we've expanded that to, you know, all small businesses since then. So you know, whether it's that or, you know, how do you really truly, you know, increase the share of of uh leadership, you know, that are that are, you know, diverse in women, I think, you know, George Floyd was a call for no more status quo.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: you've got to do something more meaningful that actually changes and gets results to a much greater degree. Would you would, would you would you agree?
0: It's so so yeah. much yeah. so much and and it's really interesting because I was doing a lot of thinking also about um you know how change is not linear. And I was asking myself if we are better as a world as I'm as I'm seeing all the things that are happening you know the racial struggles and the right. um you know um um, um, international conflict, now, all those things that we're seeing. So I asked myself, do I think that there is actual change in the way we do things as people? Are we actually growing, or are we kind of doing the same thing? You know, going on wars and having um, racial injustice, and and it, it, and and I gave it a lot of thought, and I was having a lot of discussion um, with my kids um, over this as well as we were discussing what is happening in the world. And I, I came to the conclusion, and I don't know how you feel about that, Tony, and it also has to do with the, you know, there's the micro of the person in the team and the organization and the family, and then there's the macro of the world. And so if change is not linear, are we showing more compassion today compared to 200 years ago? Are we more tolerant, more accepting today compared with 200 years ago? I'm taking 200 years because you have to have some kind of time, Right. When we look at the next generation, the millennials, the Gen Z, are they more tolerant compared to 200? And when you look at it, I think that very slowly there is a growth. Um, It's not that, I mean, we want to see more. We want to see more inclusion. We want to see more EQ. We want, you know, but we also have to understand that within all the diverse forces in the world, on the bigger scale of change, when we look at it, I think, you know, I looked at all the, you know, how much compassion and help, how many people in the world, you know, were not bystanders. They said, let us do something. Let us do something for Ukraine. Let us support. Let's see what we can do. What can I do? I have so many people that I know that literally left everything, went to the border, tried to come up with food and 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 different things and items and helping people. And so I think... good news is because we need some good news. We need some good news. I think we are doing better, but I think we all have to understand that it's not, uh, okay, snap our fingers, let's do better. We have traits in us as humans that we're working towards. They're challenging. We have a lot of mind biases. We have a lot of things that hold us back, but I feel that as long as we try our best, literally try our best to go hard on the problem, not on the person, and to be our best selves, then we're making progress. How do you feel about that?
1: I I think it's uh, profound. I think every company is going to have to find a way to be a human company first. Yes. Right? Yes. Uh, Find a way to be a human company first. And then, you know, clients will be serviced much greater, associates and employees will feel better, and the results will will be better. And and I think that, um, you know, your point about, you know, the next generation and the promise that they'll do better than this generation, I I think is real. You know, we did a little bit of a study and um, Kayleen, do you wanna show us those competencies that are traits that that, um, high EQ leaders share? Um, So this is a study that uh, Corn Ferry did and they sort of identified what are the five traits that, you know, high IQ leaders exhibit. And you could see you know empathy we talked about you know which includes you know um you know three or four competencies authenticity which we talked about you know trustfulness and humility character you know flexibility the ability to adapt to change because change as you pointed out is coming to us a million miles a minute yeah. And then and then certainly emotional intelligence as, as we've been speaking to. Um, I think, you know, what, what we did is we sort of took our top 300 at George Floyd and said, you know, we do need to make sure that people as leaders are more empathetic, that they are more inclusive. So we took them through this assessment and, um, you know, the assessment included also sort of a coaching session where they were able to reflect on their own biases and and why, you know, their life, you know, has been the way it's been and what they can do to contribute more, you know, to your point, to a better society. And uh, I think it was a very wonderful experience. And Mike Heider, who's now the uh, head of the uh, ELC, uh, was our partner with with us on it. He's now, you know, doing wonderful work as the CEO of that organization. But um, I, I think, you know, what was interesting, we took this exact same, um, process. And, uh, at my alma mater, they have what they call a select leaders program, which is sort of their, you know, rising leaders on campus. And we took them through the same assessment in that generation. Um, and these are, you know, college seniors, they actually scored higher, you know, in some of these traits, you know, so that would, you know, support your notion, you know, Michelle, that, you know, there is promise that, yeah. You know, probably your children and my children, and you know those that are with us today. Yeah. You know, their their kids probably grew up in a more diverse you know yeah. situation, right? They, you know, have seen and they are more empathetic, and I, I think that th- there is promise, and there's promise for all of us, right? I mean, you know, the the uh, the opportunity to get better and to learn, you know, is there for all of us at the taking you know, those sort of stereotypical high IQ, low EQ leaders, you know, look, um, we should help them, you know, we should help them understand uh, how much they contribute, because let's face it, they're probably high contributors. But we also, you know, have a responsibility to help them think about doing their job in a new and different way. Yeah, right. And I think, you know, tools like these, or, you know, there's many other assessments out there that, that, you know, you can use to help people sort of get a sense of, oh, gosh, I do have some gaps that I need to address. I do need to be more introspective. I do need to be more thoughtful about how I interact with people. And, you know, it's our responsibility in our profession, yours and mine, you know, to help people through that process, right? And uh, I I know you and I believe, you know, people can change, you know, people can get better. Yeah, uh, And they just sometimes need some coaching and they need some help and they need, you know, somebody to uh, bring them along, you know, with that. But, you know, to your point, I, I think uh, I think there is hope. And I do think we all see leaders, you know, exhibiting more of these traits on a daily basis. And, you know, we should reinforce it, you know, when we see it, thank people, you know, for how they handle things. And, you know, we should call people out when we, you know, see what we might consider sort of that, you know, high IQ, low EQ leadership.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I want, I want to talk for a minute about what you're bringing up when it comes to authenticity, because that's such an important point. You know, um, and i i'm, I'm going to talk about my kids for um, uh, for a minute again it is friday so i'm going to i'm going to bring an example for that you know a lot of times a lot of times um my youngest especially me i would come home and she'd say oh you know i had this teacher to come to me and say oh you can come to me anytime honey whenever you have a problem you can come to me and she's like mom i'm not going to her i don't have that relationship with her and it made me think about you know in the world of leadership how many times we have leaders that say to their teams, oh, my door is always open. You can come to me anytime. Because again, teachers are leaders, leaders are leaders, parents are leaders. Parents also say to to kids, right? Oh, honey, you can come to me anytime with any problem. And the kid is not coming. And so the question becomes, and that's a question of authenticity. How do you create that authentic relationship where somebody feels close to you enough, trusts you enough so that if they have a problem, they come to you. And I can tell you from the note that you shared at the beginning of our conversation that at Pfizer, you have that relationship where an employee feels open enough to write a, a you know, such a note. And sometimes, you know, in, in some situations, people would not be comfortable. So my advice to anybody who wants to create that authenticity, right, is that we have something in human behavior that is called mirroring. And mirroring essentially means that if you want someone to do something you do it first. If you want them to behave in a certain way, you do it first. Okay. So if I want my kids or my coworkers or the people in my team, or doesn't matter, my clients to have that authentic relationship with me, the only way to create it is not by words, Like you said, Tony, before, you know, things that were writing on the wall, all of a sudden became our reality. I actually have to be authentic myself first. And so for those of us that are struggling with that, because, you know, we all have a certain distance from other people and, you know, we want to kind of like, don't, don't get into my personal space too much. You know, I'm not, but authentic doesn't have to be about you sharing something vulnerable from your own life. If you don't want to do that, you can also get really authentic in the way you compliment someone else in the way you show gratitude about what they've done. Don't fake it because faking doesn't work. But if you saw something that's authentically great, that somebody did talk it out, say it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know, Michelle, I'll I'll read my response to that uh, LinkedIn message from okay. this morning because this will be instructive, exactly to your point. Yeah. Um, so I say to the person, I say, um, thank you for your kind and thoughtful message. Yes. Let's catch up soon. I'd be interested to listen to you share your point of view on how Five Serve can be helpful to you and your colleagues. Best you know Anthony she then responds um hi again miss marino i'm overjoyed and thrilled that you're willing to spend your time to sit down and hear me know that my voice will be the voice of so many i was not wrong about you know contacting you i'm humbled and truly appreciative you know so i, I think you know closing the loop in those moments when people are coming to you just you know indicating that there is you know you are willing to listen that, you know, you are willing to be present and take the time to truly understand, I I think, is sort of modeling the behavior, right, that we'd we'd want, you know. So I I think um, oftentimes, you know, uh, people will be like, well, you know, I'll get you in touch with, you know, your manager or I'll get you in touch with, you know, this or that. Um, but I, I think, you know, when somebody's reaching out to you, they're doing so for a reason. They think that you could actually, yes. you know, help them, even if it's just that you'll listen. Yes. Right. Um, they're doing so for a reason. So, you know, pushing people around to a call center or saying, you know, put your, you know, complaint in writing.
0: Yes. It's
1: it, it just not, not right the way any of us would want to handle what's happening today. Right. And I
0: and I loved, I mean, you touched my heart, okay? I'm not that person, but you touched my heart in how you responded because, and I'll tell you why. Because even in the language that you chose, Tony, you were very informal. So, you know, and so I can see why they would be really touched. So when I say mirror the behavior to create that dynamics, you know, once you're informal, because you can take the same words that you said And put them in a more harsher words, more formal. And the other person just sort of, you know, they just freeze. And you created a very open, you know, atmosphere. I felt it in your words. And so it's very inviting for the other person to, to feel that you're on their team. You know, once you approach someone that way and show them that you care, it's truly what you and I, you know, have been speaking about for so long about being a person first. Before you're a leader, you're a person talking to another person. And that's, you know, can anything be more important than that?
1: Yeah. And, you know, Michelle, I think uh, one thing I'll tell people is that, um, you know, you've spent so much of your life dedicated to many of the traits that we saw on that slide that we were looking at, you know, and I think for, you know, leadership development purposes, you know, putting people um, and, and providing people, you know, with, you um, know, you know, all the things that you bring that could help, you know, whether it's trustfulness. I remember you, you and I remember we said yeah. we were, we were going through a merger and we said, gosh, one of the biggest things you have to get through is, you know, people have to be able to trust, Yeah. you, you know, that, that, you know, you have your best interest. And we did, you know, that workshop on trustfulness or whether it's, you know, humility or, you know, authenticity. Uh, I think for the audience to know that, you know, there's more that, you know, they can, they can get from you. And, yeah. and I'm certainly willing to help as well. But I think yeah. that to your point earlier, there's a lot of help out there, right? Yeah. That People yes. are willing to say, hey, you know, this is some things that we tried, you know, that seem to raise our overall, you know, EQ uh, on a, on an overall basis, but, you know, they'll have some great ideas as well. But I just wanted the audience to know that uh, you're, you're uh incredible reservoir of information on these topics and more.
0: I appreciate it, Tony. Let me ask you a question, and, and you know, you know that I think that you're incredible yourself, and I, I love our conversations. If you have, um, if you had one piece of advice, the most important piece of advice for any leader these days, what would you say that it it would be?
1: Yeah, I would. Uh, you know, without question, the number one would be uh, absolutely know first and foremost that. People know that you care about yeah. them personally. Yeah. Period. Yeah. You know, all, all the rest will take care of itself. You know, if somebody knows that I care about Michelle um, as a human being, you know, yeah. first and foremost, yeah. I'm, you know, really interested in, in her well-being. Uh, all the rest, you know, is gonna take care of itself. You, you know, um that that leads, as you taught me, you know, that leads to then the person trusting you because they know you have their best interest at heart. Yeah. Right. And as a result, then they'll be inclined to share with you, yeah. you know, a lot more. They'll be inclined to, you know, give more.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think, you know, this whole thing about, you know, work from home, I, I think has been an interesting debate. Um, y- you know, it takes trust. Yeah. Right. You, you have to have the mentality yeah. that, you know, just because somebody's working at home doesn't mean that, you know, they're at, you know, yoga for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And, you know, maybe if they need to be at yoga for three hours to help them mentally, um, they'll give more, right, to deliver what they have to deliver, knowing that you trusted them to go to yoga. Yeah. So I I think trust is a massive um, element in what's going on around that whole debate. Do you you, you, you agree with that?
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that um, when you create that trust, you become very you know there's so much talk about resilience as a company as an individual and i think when you create that trust with people in your life you know it carries through to other people in your life you know when people trust you as someone who they can come to with anything and you're not going to judge and you're just going to listen and you're going to be on their team it can be very challenging i mean sometimes you know in th- in 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 theory you know um we want to be that for a lot of people, but I want, you know, you, you got to think about, you know, sometimes the most challenging situations and sometimes the, the leaders who really struggle with the, with the EQ and say, you know, to what you said, make creating that trust a priority because without that trust, you don't have good communication. You don't, collect information as you did from that note, you know, from that, that the note that you got this morning, you need to collect information, have good communication, be able to respond. The only way to change your dynamics with other people, the only way to bring change is to create that trust. And that trust comes from less judgment, you know, and more just being a person. And a lot of times I think it goes back to the things that we learned, you know, when we were very, very young and sometimes in life, as we grow up and we um, become very busy, we forget a lot of the things, a lot of those values that we were taught.
1: That's right. That's right. Kayleen, do you want to put up our slide that, uh, you know, gives tribute, you know, to the question or the final question almost, right? Which is, um, you know, how empathetic, kind and inclusive are you really, right? And uh, it's just something that, you know, all of us, you know, on this broadcast today should just think about, you know, how we could do better. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, How we could be more human, how we could be there more for our people,
0: yeah. And
1: uh, and I think you know this also gives tribute to it is Women's History Month. Yeah. Uh, Earlier in the week, it was International, you know, Women's Day, and um, I I think that women have had a disproportionately, uh, you know, more difficult time because of the additional roles that were thrust on them during the pandemic, and coming through the pandemic, and I think we've seen. You know, women leave the workforce at a higher rate and we got to think about, you know, how you create, you know, an entry back in and something that, you know, we're talking a lot about is, you know, how do you get some people back that, you know, perhaps needed to take a break uh, and maybe there's, you know, part-time way to do that. And, and I know some companies that, that seem to be uh, off to a good start there. So um, a, a good slide, right, to sort of remind us of where we're at at the moment.
0: A hundred percent. I love it. And, and I would just say when you're thinking how empathetic and how inclusive you are, don't think about the people that you're having an easy time being empathetic to and inclusive of, think about the people that you're having a really hard time with. Those people are your challenge and that's where you thrive. You know, we want to be, when we talk about being inclusive, it's also, it's not just race or gender. It's also Everyone that is different than you, that has a different opinion than you, that, you know, um, um, makes your life maybe a little bit more difficult, disagrees with you, whoever challenges you, that person is your opportunity. And the more empathetic and inclusive you are to those that you struggle with, the better leader you are. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. 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 Yes.
0: Yeah. Tony, I could talk to you forever. I I loved our conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. Thank you. It's been a great, great conversation.
1: Always good to be with you, Michelle. Um, Absolutely. We've got uh, work to do together. Uh, You know, in some ways, the work is just beginning. But, you know, the great news is it is beginning. And I I see a difference in in my career. I see a difference the last 12 months, for sure, I think companies and individuals have realized that, you know, we've got to lead in a new and different way. So to be able to hang out with you, have some coffee and rethink leadership was, uh, was a great experience. And, and you know, you've, you've made my Friday and I'm looking forward to uh, our next session together.
0: Same here. Same here. And thank you to everyone who joined us today. Thank you all. Thank you.